Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression, of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 31. Righteousness through faith. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is your boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law.
Good morning and welcome to the first Friday of Lent. This is Logan, Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's co-host is George Goss, um, and our readings come to us from Psalm 121, Micah 7, and finally Romans 3. Um, and uh, in several days past, uh, we've read John or James, and I've talked about um, this argument about the works of Christians and the extent to which it has a part in the life of faith and the community of faith. And Paul is very firmly, um, not opposed, but definitely not on the same page as some of the other uh, scripture authors and communities. Um, And Paul has this dichotomy, or maybe just a dichotomy between faith and law, and as somebody who was, uh, and who considered himself still to be a Jew, you know, a, a, a Jew of Jews, I think is what he he says uh, in another letter. Um, works was really important, and it still is. Judaism is a very pragmatic faith, um, and coming from such a dramatic um, conversion from like. Um, attacking and harming Christians to his uh, experience on the road to Damascus when he encounters the risen Lord, um, but not not really in body and kind of like this transfigured kind of um, risen Lord kind of thing. Um, He has these scales that fall from his eyes and he's converted. He becomes kind of that anti-Paul that he had, you know, what did... He, he did a, a pretty dramatic 180-degree flip. And as someone, and I, I think many people who've, who've been converted to the faith um, or who were born into it but then had, you know, had some kind of really um, solidifying moment, um, sometimes it's hard to tell the baby from the bathwater. And much of our old life, it's kind of clumped into whatever it is that we think we're supposed to be casting away. And I'm not saying that is what Paul believes or did, but I can sympathize with that experience of of believing that I was good and right and all that stuff, and then having this series of moments of awakening, and then wanting to very much jump into this new life that I had found. And, and thinking that much more needed to be shed than I think, in retrospect, probably actually needed to be shed. Um, for me, I was, uh, you can read about this in my book, Reborn on the Fourth of July. Um, for me, I, I went into the military thinking like that was what you did, and I really, I wasn't um, kind of like, I wasn't like over the top in terms of what I believed either about um, Christianity or being an American, but it was it was a driving force. Like, I joined the, the military for college, but I, I mean, um, I was a Christian because I was an American, and um, the military is kind of God's, I won't say that, but the military, I saw it as this kind of shining light on the hill, and that's kind of how they sold it, um, especially since the end of the draft and everything. Um, and so when I started reading the Bible for myself and I read the 9-11 Commission Report while I was in Iraq, 
this switch for me was dramatic, and I I experienced a lot of um, a lot of kind of residual angst about things that I, I look back at now and think I probably didn't need to feel guilty about some of that stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of what we see in Paul and what I think is true of many people who come into the faith and um, really want to be a part of something new and, and great and and idealistic. Um, and they, um, or we, we sometimes lose sight of, you know, what all was good, what all was not good, and what all was kind of in the middle. And faith and works is this really loaded kind of baggage-filled argument about, well, can we earn, do we earn our place uh, next to God? Um, And as a Jew, Paul would say, well, yes, you have to be circumcised. You have to abide by the dietary restrictions. Um, And to a certain extent, Paul held on to that. But in the Council of Jerusalem, um, it was decided by the early church leaders that you did not have to be circumcised, that, that works like that were not a prerequisite. Um, and what I think these other authors that we've talked about, James and John, um, I think they have a more nuanced view. John, if it's the Apostle John, was Jewish. James, I'm not sure if we think, if the scholarly consensus is that he was Jewish or not, or Gentile. Um, but they seem to have a more nuanced view of, well, Sure, not everybody who does good works is getting to be with God. But if you don't do good works, what kind of faith is that? Um, And and Paul has this really advanced theology that we get in Romans. Um, And he he says, look, you know, he doesn't want to throw it all out, even though his rhetoric kind of seems like there's no no good thing that comes of works. Um, He says, well, no, no, we do uphold the law. Um, we uphold the law because of faith. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it's necessary to get into it all here, um, only to indicate once again that there's this clear diversity of thought in the early church. Um, they're sorting out what it means that Jesus was this Jewish Messiah who never encourages followers to leave Judaism who spoke openly about wishing um, that his people would receive his message and take it as, as credible and authoritative. Um, and so there's this mix of belief and opinion and emotion. Um, and when we talk about the early church in, in academic circles, uh, even in like pastoral circles, the big thing, or well, I won't say the big thing, what I hear in those conversations is this anticipation of saying, well, the early church also was all pacifist. And if you're in the military, then you should feel bad because, you know, because you were, I don't know, not doing what the church clearly has been all about, blah, blah, blah. And I think that too is this kind of over-the-top argument that loses sight of what it means to be a Christian that puts an ideology like pacifism ahead of what it is that we're really called to. Um, disciples, Christians, are called to love. And part of that love, I think, means nonviolence. But if, if, we, if our ideas and opinions get in the way 
of loving one another, of remembering that arguments and, and what we believe is less important than our expressions making known what beliefs we, we really have, I think that's where we get into problems. Um, and um, and I, I say that knowing how uh, some of uh, the podcast co-hosts and people behind the scenes um, there's this diversity of thought and, and opinion and experience within the military. Those who have been through it um, maybe aren't who aren't who aren't still in it, but um, trying to you know get one consensus out of you know a room of soldiers and veterans um, is going to be difficult, just as it was in the early church. And the the beautiful thing about the church, which I also experienced in the military, was this unifying kind of element. Uh, the the military, I remember in basic, you, you, fought, you served and trained along all these people that you knew nothing about other than their last name and what they told you. And then that first, um, that first weekend leave, you see people for who they really are. And it gets kind of funny because that bond that you've built is more important than whether this guy or that guy is wearing overalls or maybe a MAGA hat or like, I don't know, um, and so I think that's what's really beautiful about both the church and the military is the ability. It has the power. Sometimes it doesn't do it well, but it has the ability to really unify and um, create bonds between people who otherwise would not have any reason to, to be together or feel any kind of bond with, with one another. Prayer for the Unity of the Church from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace seriously to lay to heart the great dangers we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice, and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord, that, as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so we may be all of one heart and of one soul, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and charity, and may with one mind and one mouth glorify you, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, 
You can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.